You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 299 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. What's happening in Gina world? I've just been uh, shopping up a storm, so buying food because this weekend the Mm. Militia family gathers for a family feast and it's been so long since we've been able to do that, so I'm really excited. So everyone gets to, uh, everyone has to bring something, so I get to do the the antipasto platter, which is my favourite thing to do. Oh, you're good at that. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to be doing like roasting vegetables, so I like to do, you know, roast zucchini and and um, uh, eggplant and things like that. And I've got like mar- marinating mushrooms I'm doing. Um, I've got a million cheeses. You know I love a cheese platter. Mm. So that's very exciting. I'm just um, looking forward because, you know, I think if there's anything that uh, all this uh, – turmoil that's going on in the world is you know brought home is the fact that you know the importance of uh you know all our close relationships and and uh you know spending time with the people we love and so that's what i will be doing this weekend and i know you've been busy on a big project too val that's right i have actually been painting um someone's portrait and uh it's been taking up all my waking hours yeah (laughs) and even the ones that are where I'm meant to be asleep. So you don't uh, sleep. So, I think I don't. I don't know how you actually function on the little <laughs> sleep that you get. But like, good on you. Are you actually really a robot? Will we find yeah. that out? <laughs> that's right. That's right. So Australians will be familiar with this person. I'm not sure whether everyone else is, but if you follow football or soccer especially if you're European and you follow soccer you might be familiar so I'm painting the portrait of Tim Cahill for those of you who don't know who Tim Cahill is he's a former socceroo that is he represented Australia in four World Cups Mm -hmm. Uh, he's also um, won uh, been in the winning team for the Asian Cup it's he's the the most the highest scoring uh, Australian soccer player of all time and um, he started off in Sydney, eventually went to play in the Premier League in the UK for um, Everton, went to play for the New York Red Bulls in New York, and then on to some teams in China. He's back in Australia now. And he only retired from soccer, I think, about last year or so. Wow. Because yeah. he was definitely in the 2018 World Cup. And... Um, and now he is uh, doing his life after soccer with his fingers in many pies, yeah. uh, running football academies, but also um, has a number of other business interests. And so, yeah, I am painting his portrait for Jeans for Jeans Day. Which and what's is that, Valerie? A special fundraising event for the Children's Medical Research Institute. So I've been commissioned to do the portrait of Tim Cahill because what happens is it's genes for genes, as in genetic research, and Tim donates a pair of his genes, as in his denim genes, not his actual DNA, but (laughs) denim genes, which he signs, and other people do it too. So yep. people who've done it in the past, like Whoopi Goldwork, William Shatner, Deborah Messing, um, Keith Urban, Cameron Diaz, the list goes on. So people yep. donate, high-profile people donate their signed genes and then an artist incorporates the genes in a larger artwork, usually of a portrait of that person, and that is what I'm currently doing. 
So as I mentioned, with COVID, um, it's impossible to get someone to sit for you. Yeah. So I um, found it, and and Tim has a great um, tattoo sleeve because uh, he's got Samoan heritage, and um, it's a Samoan um, story and motif on his on his tattoo sleeve, and uh, I wanted to make sure that that was. A prominent part of the portrait because it's something that's very meaningful to Tim yeah and it's also graphically very very nice to look at and so I had to find an opportunity where I could see that so I have um, with the permission of Adrian Cook who is a photographer in Sydney who has photographed Tim and done a great portrait of Tim yeah it's um, a beautiful portrait yeah yeah where the sleeve is um, showing and he's given me permission to basically use his photo as a stand-in for Tim because obviously Mm. I haven't been able to access any kind of sittings and that is what is happening so that's keeping me busy and then the artwork uh, will go up for auction and that is to raise money for the Children's Medical Research Institute. Fantastic. So, what a great cause. Yeah. And who, who, who'd have thought, like, four years ago, Val, we were just mm. maybe discussing the possibility you were dabbling in mm-hmm. uh, art at the time, four short years ago, and you have worked, so, like, I don't think anyone works harder than you do, but it's proof mm. that if you have a dream to do something and you put that into action, good things happen. And it's like you've gone ahead. You've And I think... The thing that you've done that I've noticed and the thing that you've always done, Val, is you go out and you find uh, mentors uh, mm. and, like, you've worked with so many great uh, Australian artists. And Have you worked with artists from overseas as well that mentoring you with your art? Um, only through, like, online courses. Yeah. Not directly. Yeah. yeah. But you've done a ton of online courses and, and then it's like you get to the point where you, you, you tested out a lot of different disciplines in art before I think you've found your thing now, haven't you, in terms of yes. a style that really is uh, great. And I've just commissioned you to create some backgrounds mm-hmm. for the goal community, which I'm really yes. excited about. And you and I just did a photo shoot over Skype, didn't we, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of my cat, Rocky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, so much fun. So, yeah, um, very proud of you, Val. It's amazing. <laughs> I can't wait to see. I, know, I, I have to admit I've seen uh, the halfway point peak. of the painting. Yeah. I saw a sneak peek, but I haven't seen the finished uh, product, mm-hmm. so I'm very excited and I'm sure um, that will sell very well and uh, raise a lot of money for a, a, a really fantastic cause. So great stuff. Yes, well, I hope people like it and I hope people bid on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you've I want got your very money. own Valerie Koo, uh, mm. I currently have uh, two Valerie Koo items in my house, uh, <laughs> cushions, but I'm eyeing off some paintings as well. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely uh, add to the collection at some point. So if anyone is a fan of soccer, though, then do spread the word. Probably I think go it's to football overseas. It's called yes, football. Football. Yeah. So the football that is soccer, and you might be interested in this, do you let them know because it's all for a good cause. And big thanks also to Adrian Cook, for the photographer, for, um, for his contribution. Okay, so and let's move on to uh, we have a uh, constructive critique this week from Gustavo. Gustavo has posted some great shots and we'll put them in the show notes, which of course you can find at ginamilitia.com. Now they are of a guy in a suit, but without a tie. And it looks like, you know, potentially some, um, the, well, the one in the suit that you could potentially use as a corporate shot. He's also got a photo of the same guy in more casual gear as well, kind of like with a ba- grey backdrop and grey floor so that the standout is the actual person. Gustavo has said, need some feedback before I send these to the client. Anything I missed, what can be improved, changed or dismissed? Basically, he needed a couple of picks for his professional profile pick and some others that are not so, you know, rigid or formal. So he's done a couple where the guy is sitting down and is looking off to the side. Another yeah. one where the guy is sitting down and his um, hands are clasped and he's looking straight into the camera. And also more casual ones where the guy is sitting on the floor but also just kind of standing against the wall. So, Gina. All right. So, um, 
Congratulations, Gustavo. You've done a great job. This is a great set of um, images. And this is a typical kind of uh, portfolio that you would shoot for a corporate person. Now, it's like I often do these where we'll create uh, a more formal look where they might be in a uh, business attire or something that looks professional. And then we'll also uh, at, at the same time do a few more casual, more lifestyle-y kind of mm. shots where they're dressed more casual. So so you've got something that works across all social media platforms. So it's really important that when someone approaches you for a headshot, that you as the photographer educate them as a, a better way to invest uh, their money and in terms of like if people just get one shot then you've got the same photo on all your social media platforms but you often need different so your LinkedIn profile image is going to be different to what you have on your Twitter profile which might be different to what you have on your Facebook profile and it might be different to what you have on your website as well as if you're a businessman and and um, someone in mm. business Val and you know this very well like each year yeah, we do sure. how many different looks for you six eight different shots you use them up right and and so and and you know if you can provide a class photos for your client the editors that are choosing on the other end they don't care who you are. They're going to pick the best photo. And so I often get unexpected covers for my client. And they're like, wow, they had four people mm. to choose from. And they, they picked, mm. you know, your shot for the cover because the, the shot worked and it was professional and slick where there are. And you know, this is an editor, Val, where people have submitted you. Yeah photos for their profile which is them half of them from their <laughs> wedding photo or at a party or you can see where their girlfriend up. should have been on the other end of the arm but they've cropped into it yeah. really sort of sloppy lazy photos so yeah because they're not together anymore so as a photographer if you can provide uh, that sort of education to your clients you explain these things like great photography gets noticed and it gets used far bigger you might get the double page spread instead of a little postage stamp photo which is where the um the the kaka photos end up right so that that's something that you need to explain so this is a great portfolio where you've covered a really good variety of images and uh in terms of lighting Gustavo, I think you've done uh, also done a good job. There are there are like two different styles that you've been playing around with, and I can see where you've got a flatter, more even lighting across the face, and uh, then you've tried uh, a, another version of a sexier version of the lighting, which is um, sort of you've got uh, the side lighting um, spilling from the sides, and uh, also like a, a hair light. Uh, as well so like it looks like Rembrandt lighting but you've also brought in um, a side light so let me just address a couple of things that stand out so I think you've, that these do look very professional uh, you've taken the time to pose the guy and you've also given him a variety of shots so well done on all of those to take all of these to the next level uh, my suggestions would be I want you to um, really think about the pose and have a, a go-to pose that's easier this is not if you've got someone that feels a little bit awkward in front of the camera and let's face it that's everyone you know unless you're working with a professional model uh, not everyone is going to be able to pull off a confident shot so uh, what, what you need to do is have those go-to's and I talk about these all the time in the gold community and Gustavo as a gold member uh, in the past you would have uh, seen the um, the posing course and a lot of the suggestions uh, simplify the posing this is not the time to make um, something really uh, complicated because you want to be uh, have a really simple message and make these people look as professional as possible. So um, I'm not a fan. Uh, so the first image, you've got the man holding um, his head in his hands. I'm not a fan of that. I'll say that at the outset. I think it uh, it feminizes. Uh, it's not as strong as, uh, say, having an open pose. I like, I've got my favorite go-to pose for all the corporate guys even if they're in a suit, is like, and you know the pose, Val, you could demonstrate it. What's my favourite corporate pose? Because you've ripped it off so many times. Yeah. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Leaning, sitting, leaning forward and hands together. Yeah. 
<laughs> and so Val, Val even goes and demonstrates it for me. She's like, wait, 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 I'll do it. I'll show them how to do it. And she'll demonstrate and she does the face as well. And then what I'll have is I'll have hands together, but at that point, just to give them something to do, I tell them, pretend there's a ring on your little finger and twirl it. All right. And that just, and, and they'll do that. And that just gives them something to do and it makes them look more relaxed or, or pretend like you're cleaning um, something off your hands and just rub them together as they're together in front of you. And it's again, that action, anything to get them out of their thinking mind and focused and back in the room with you is going to be an advantage. So pose, making them look um, open and accessible is very important. Uh, now, with the lighting on these, you've got a subject that has a, uh, a very round face and you've lit him uh, flat on and you've also done the three-point lighting where he's got like the light on the side of the face is brighter than the light in the middle of the face. Uh, for this subject, you want to think about the lighting style. It's choose a lighting style to suit your subject rather than finding one lighting. There is no one size fits all for lighting. What lighting does is it gives you the opportunity to sculpt the face. And that's why um, people who do work and learn about what good lighting does is it can make a huge, you can completely change the look of someone just by how you light. Now with this person, what I would recommend when they've got a rounder fuller face is to shoot short lighting where you would uh, side light them and shoot into the shadow side of the face. And what that does is it immediately makes the face looks, look narrower and you've flattered the person. The other, the other style of lighting that you might want to try and you do need a boom for this is to boom the light above and in front of your model and uh, use uh, bring it in very close so that you've got a, a very fast drop off of shadows. And basically what you're lighting is the... Uh, center part of the face and the eyes and then around the chin and the jawline and the cheekbones that all drops off to shadow and you get this lovely uh, sculpted look to the face and everyone looks amazing with this light so you've missed the light in the eyes the position of the light you've got to really really watch where it is because you've missed actually lighting his face in a few of them so uh, think about that with your lighting and maybe uh, have an experiment with that so that's important there needs to be light in the eyes and uh, finally for those corporate shots uh, I'm looking straight into his unbuttoned jacket and into a um, creased shirt so this these are just the little one percenters but just getting him to button his jacket up is going to give him a, a much narrower profile and a much neater look rather than looking into wrinkled shirts and things like that so even when they're sitting I will get them to do at least one button up so that that uh, makes the line of the suit look a lot neater and cleaner I mean if they does sorry sorry if the if the jack doesn't button up and you cannot fix the creasing on the inside then you need to do another pose uh and the other workaround that i have uh because often what a guy will do see if, if a this is going to sound sick there are some people that when they have a photo shoot uh they will try on outfits for three weeks ring all their girlfriends and say how do you think do you think this should i wear this one and they'll workshop it where certain people guys will rock up on the day pulling their suit out of the cupboard uh, and, and go, oh, yeah, last time I wore this, it fit really well. So on the pre-call, when you're talking to your client, say a week out from the shoot, recommend that they get your get get check the suits that you want to wear and try them on because sometimes people lose weight sometimes they gain weight so make sure that everything fits really well because there's nothing worse than a suit that's mm. too tight and also the other extreme that a suit that's too big the workaround if someone can't quite button it up it's looking tight is you bring it together as much as you can and then you bring a hand in front I do this a lot with um with the celebrities that I photograph if I can't quite get the jacket to close or it puckers it'll pucker in an x when it's too tight so if that's the case I just get them to put their head thumb and uh fourth finger on the on the button and just play with the button 
and uh, that that's the workaround for that. So uh, yeah, now. The casual clothes, Gustavo, uh, you've done, I, I, I like uh, the way that you've uh, positioned these. It's particularly the horizontal version where you've got the guy sitting on the floor and you've got all this empty space. That's fantastic because you've got space uh, for your client to put text. I can picture this in a magazine spread, but what I want you to think about is body language. So you've got the, it, it's, it's where he's clasping his knee. It's a very close pose. So you need to, um, uh, open that up, maybe bring their arms behind, and that's going to give that uh, a much uh, more open and friendly look. Same with the arms, uh, clasped in front, closed off. So head forward and down and watch out for the wrinkles in the shirt. So there you go, Gustavo. There's a, a like a, a very detailed uh, CC for you, uh, just like the good old days in the gold community. <laughs> well, if you're st- if for those people who are still in the gold community, of course, this is um, the kind of wonderful feedback that uh, that you can get from Gina on your shots. So if you want to find out a little bit more about that, have a listen to this. This podcast is brought to you by the Gold Community. One of the great things about being part of a community is exactly that, the community. The feedback and support you get from fellow members of the Gold Community at ginamilitia.com is invaluable. I asked Karen Pino about this. Thanks to you, um, I just decided to take everything that came my way and I started my business and I started full force and it was incredible. Before I joined the gold community, I didn't know hardly anything really. Um, Truthfully, it's the community, the people are phenomenal. And when I go in and I put my pictures in and I get feedback, not just from you, but from other people that are um, doing really well and um, because there's all levels in the gold community and I love hearing from all the different perspectives it's so encouraging and then being able to go in and encourage others the same way that I've been encouraged it's just wonderful I also love the tutorials too I really I go in and I'm always like right before a job I'm going into the tutorials and I'm downloading them all into my brain I like the length they're concise they're easily you can go back to them again and again and again and to refresh and then i can watch them and go practice and then come back and watch them and go practice and come back (laughs) so it really helps me to hone my skills that much further they're short but every time i watch them i learn something new the knowledge and the resources that are there are almost unfathomable (laughs) you learn and you keep learning and it's just an amazing community I have recommended it to many friends, actually, (laughs) on Facebook all the time. Join this community. It's awesome. (laughs) If you'd like to find out more about the Gold Community, just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right, let's move on to this week's topic, which is how to start a pet photography side hustle with our guest, Jason McCoy. All right, Gina, tell us about Jason. Well, Jason McCoy is an emerging Arizona-based photographer and he donates his spare time, Valerie, photographing Mm. dogs from rescue shelters. And I know this is a subject that's close to both our hearts. Uh, He's only been shooting for three years and his work, check it out in the show notes at ginamilitia.com. And those of you that are in the uh, uh, So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community Facebook group will also know Jason's work because he's a a very active and supportive member of that community and uh, I've been watching him over the last couple of years and I see that his photos are always shot from the heart and um, he he they're so beautiful and so I I just needed to to find out what you know what he's doing and how he's doing this and he generously uh, shares so much information uh, in this uh, interview and uh, you know basically three months into picking up his first camera he he goes out and gets himself an entry level kit uh, about cost him about $250 for the lighting and uh, you know approaches a, a a shelter and starts shooting proof that it's not about the gear 
Not at all. It, you know, have a look at his work. It's amazing. And this is shot on entry-level gear. It's the photographer. He's He just works hard mm. to get the shots. He works so hard to get the expressions on all these uh, beautiful doggies that he's being, um, mm. you know, photographing. And it's just proof. Uh, and you should have a look at his shots. Like, head on over now to The Real McCoy. That's M-C-C-O-Y dot photography. That's The Real McCoy dot photography yeah they, they're just great these dogs so much joy and emotion and 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 personality that he captures from mm. these that these animals that you know you think of a, a lot of them have uh you know experienced some trauma they've just come out of a, a you know they might have been caged up for a long time and he's meeting them for the first time so what he, he walks us through um how he actually what he said and did to reach out to these shelters and uh and uh, how he prepares for a shoot how he lights his uh, shots and then uh, the techniques that he, and tricks, he's got like so many great tricks that he uses to calm the dogs, pose the dogs and direct the dogs. He's got some fantastic tips on how he uses Google Maps to scout locations and heaps more. Now, I want to point out there was a, a, a point in the interview where I suggested to Jason that he use a particular product it got lost in translation. So I referred to something called Perspex, which is, I think, an Australian brand name. And at the uh, at the end of the interview, uh, after we finished, uh, I think we worked out that it's called Plexiglass in the US. So it's basically, if you could find a, a product that is glass, that is um, made of plastic, that's what I was referring to. <laughs> so it's Perspex, called Perspex here, and I use it on the floor when I'm doing messy shoots. I'll put it on above uh, on top of my roll paper and that's how I protect my roll paper and save money and that's what the suggestion was about so when you get to that point in the interview I say perspex if you don't quite it, 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 I was referring to plexiglass so uh, shall we have a listen Val? Jason McCoy, welcome to the show. How are great. you? I'm great. How are you? McCoy. I'm fantastic. Uh, I'm so excited to chat to you today. Uh, I love on your uh, Instagram profile that you say your line, your tagline is, I take photos of pets and the people they rescue, Arizona photographer, which is fantastic. Of course, when you rescue an animal, uh, you're saving someone. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Uh, so you're based in Arizona. How is it that there at the moment? It's like you're coming into your summer, but it's kind of always hot there, isn't it? What's the coldest it gets there? Because I think um, I've interviewed a few photographers there and you don't really have a winter. Yeah, we have a couple nights during the winter where it gets below 32 degrees and some of our plants freeze and stuff. But um, for the most part, like today, it was 122 degrees in my garage. So it's, it's pretty hot here right now. Wow. That's like yeah. uh, over 40 in, um, uh, yeah, in, in, oh, in yeah, Celsius. That's... Yeah, it's amazing. There's a formula. Don't ask me what it is. I learned it once. It's <laughs> like you divide, you take the cos, sine, tangent over one. No, it's too hard to do. Um, wow, that's incredible. And now, so photography is currently your side hustle. What is it that you do? What's your day job? Um, I own a pool business here in Arizona. I, I maintain pools and um, that's pretty much what I do every day. <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, it's like the middle of the night for you, isn't it, at the moment? <laughs> recording, yeah, it's, it's like one in the morning. It's 1 a.m. right now. And so you sleep through the day or in the afternoon and then uh, look after people's pools uh, as part of your business and, and the grounds around them. Is that right? Yeah, and um, we also work for Arizona State University doing um, groundskeeping there. So. so that's quite physical. And then when do you get time for your photography? Is that like sort of on the days off or after hours? How do you work that? Um, it's mainly on the weekends I go and I volunteer for some of the rescues. And um, then nighttime is when I get a chance to actually sit down and edit photos. Fantastic. So how did you get into photography? Was it something that you always wanted to do as a boy or did something inspire you? What, what, what was, what, how does that look? I've always had a creative side to me. Um, I didn't get into photography till about three years ago, so I'm fairly You're new. Very at this. new, yeah. Um, 
But I, I got a camera just because I wanted to try taking photos and see if it was something that would spark my passion. And I, the first subject I came across was my dogs, of course. And mm. the photos came out beautiful. And that just from that moment on, it was done. I, I, I had to take photos of dogs and I needed to help my community. So I decided to reach out to some rescues and try to photograph dogs. So before we get into the the rescue work, sort of how was the learning curve for you? How did you go? How does it go from getting that first camera and taking the shots? How did you learn about photography? Well, one of the mistakes that I made when I was learning is that I, when you learn from YouTube, it's kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. It's not structured. So I actually bought a couple of courses that helped me learn the basics, like the exposure triangle and all that. And that's when I really started seeing progress with my work and my stuff started to get sharper. And then I started dabbling in off-camera flash and I fell in love with off-camera flash. And now that's all I do. Yeah, fantastic. And so what your first camera, are you still working with the first camera that you bought? Um, no, I just upgraded not too long ago, but my first camera was the Canon 80D with the kit lens. Right, yeah, yeah. And it was amazing. I, I love it. I actually sold it to a friend of mine, and she loves it, and she's taking wonderful photos now. Fantastic. So, so I love that you're working for um, pet rescue places, and, uh, and it's very important, and we've got a lot of, obviously, uh, listeners to the podcast who are all animal lovers who are probably thinking about that they might like to try something but are a little bit nervous about approaching. How did that look? How did you uh, decide that you wanted to get involved in um, photographing uh, for, for a shelter, and how did you approach them? And, and uh, just walk us through that. Well, in the beginning, I was actually quite scared to give a shelter a call and ask if I could photograph their dogs and take up some of their time because I I was scared that they were going to say no. Um, But every single shelter that I've called in the last three years has said yes to me. And um, as long as they know that you're volunteering and you're not trying to charge them or something like that. And sometimes things work out where I do book jobs from being at the rescue, but um, Basically, if you call a rescue, they're going to be more than happy to work with you and help get dogs adopted out. So what sort of things did you... So obviously you're looking up shelters and there's many in... in um, I know in Melbourne, I can name three off the top of my head now, but like, you know, each each city will have several did you just it was it just a matter of going through the phone book and um calling them cold calling did you do any research or was it as simple as just doing that cold calling just calling and saying hey this is what i want to do yeah i actually just did a simple google search and found a couple of rescues and the first three that i called said yes the the one that i enjoy working with the most is arizona small dog rescue and they they specialize in small smaller dogs so it's easier to work with them and um things like that uh yeah so so when you when you called that first place and are you, are you working with all three still at the, at this point um yes fantastic so when you made that first call what kind of questions do they ask you um they just ask me if they can use the images for any kind of advertising and mm-hmm. basically what my schedule looks like and I just show up, I I pack up my entire studio and I just show up the day of, usually on the weekend, and we just knock out a bunch of pictures. They ask how many people I need to help me, and it's usually just one person because my partner comes with me, Mm -hmm. and we we cook up some pork chops and some hot dogs, and then we go to the rescue and we get some amazing pictures. Fantastic. So, uh, you know, it's it's pretty straightforward and they're they're willing to to work with you and i think that that's important that you offer to give them those images that they can use for social media and to obviously uh, help adopt these pets out so it was it's as simple as that setting up the photo shoots now so you we're talking about the first one that you did was that like pretty much as soon as you got that first camera how how long did you wait uh before you approached the uh local pet rescue places 
it took me about three months to build up confidence to contact a rescue and actually set up and because money was tight especially in the very beginning um like all i had was a roll of paper like i didn't even have a, a backdrop stand i literally thumbtacked that paper to the wall right. and that's how we got photos I, I i did an interview for fox news for um my rescue work on on the first rescue shoot that i did and there was a video of me with my paper thumbtacked to the wall and Fantastic. it was embarrassing but i love no. it but but it gets the job done and it's like, yeah. you know, it, it, it still works. So three months in, so before that you were doing these uh, courses and learning how to shoot manually and then by then had you learnt off-camera flash when you did I, the first I, shoot? I learned the basics, yes. Hmm. And so was that first shoot that you did, did you shoot daylight or did you use off-camera flash? It was. It's always been off-camera flash for me. I, I I love off-camera flash. It was. It it was two really really cheap newer speed lights yep. in some soft boxes, and there was one on each side of the dog, and that's how we photographed in the beginning. Yeah. So newer, young newer Godox. They're sort of all in the same range. The sort of sub 100 speed lights, but they're perfect for someone that's starting out. And I even use. Um, Godox when I'm traveling so um, they're, 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 they're great lights and you don't the, the point is you don't need to spend thousands and thousands and thousands and there's a lot of photographers that are starting out that think okay I need the background stand the backdrops the the flash kit all of this gear but but you've got an entry-level camera the kit lens and a couple of um, cheap entry-level speed lights and how much were the soft boxes that you started out with? They were $45. They were from newer as well. Um, there you go. I, so we're talking like a couple of hundred dollars for your light, maybe 300 for the lighting kit. I, I think it was probably 250 total for two speed lights, two soft boxes and two stands. Fantastic. So there's proof that you don't need to go and spend uh, high end. And uh, even the, um, Light stands, like what I recommend is you can get better light stands if you buy second-hand ones. Oh, yeah, definitely. Check your, uh, on Facebook. Check Facebook Marketplace. Like I've, gotten, I've never paid more than 3 to $5 for light stands. Even thrift stores have them sometimes. That's fantastic. Do you have a tripod? Yes, I do. So did you get that off um, a Facebook Marketplace? Um, there's a camera store um, in the city next to where I am right now, and I got it from there. But I, I never use a tripod just because dogs like to move around way too much. Yeah. All right. So let's let's get into the shoot. So you've 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 spoken. So let's go from starting. So you make that, that those cold calls, and then I think what you said that was really important was they asked you when are you available rather than them dictating the time because obviously you've got your business that you're running. And you've also got to um, schedule in sleep time, which is outside of when, you know, someone with a nine to five job would sleep. So I think it's really important that this works for you so that it's sustainable. So how did you how did you broach the subject of availability and shoot times? Did you just get, lay that out for them and say, this is when I'm available to come in? Yeah, every shelter that I've worked with, especially the one that I work with the most, if I call them and I say, hey, I'm available this weekend, they will move things around for me because they know that I'm donating my time to help them get good headshots of these dogs mm. because they're going to adopt out more dogs. It's really important for a dog to have a good headshot because nine times out of ten, people look online for dogs before they go into these shelters. And a good headshot can pull somebody into a shelter and really get them to fall in love with the dog before they even show up. It must be such an amazing feeling to know that these little dogs have, or the big dogs have been adopted out because you've supplied these uh, beautiful photos. It must be amazing. So let's, let's, let's talk about the actual photo shoot itself. So that, that first time when you went in, how did you feel the night before? <laughs> I was actually extremely nervous when yeah. I when I actually showed up the day of. I could not stop sweating for some reason. Yeah. I, my nerves were just through the roof. But they introduced me to one of their dogs. His name was Braun, and he had been there for 869 days. And a week after him getting a decent headshot, somebody came in and adopted him right up. That's amazing. Like, 
Yeah, I, I love that. I, I check on Braun every now and then at the rescue. Every time they adopt out a dog, they, they stay in contact with the owners and they ask for updates on how the dog is doing. And um, especially Arizona Small Dog Rescue, they're really dil diligent when it comes to checking up on their dogs and making sure that the owners have everything they need. Now, we keep saying dog, but there are shelters that have uh, all sorts of different animals that, as well. Like there's cats and um, what, whatever other domestic pets there are that you could be photographing as well. So it's not just limited to dogs. So back to this first shoot that you did. So you, you were nervous. You were sweating. This is normal. Uh, your heart's beating at a million miles an hour, I imagine, when you're doing the shoot. And there's probably that feeling that everyone that's watching the shoot is judging how fast you're going to get that done. Did you feel like that? I, I think that's what added to my, my sweating problem is because I felt like I was kind of impeding on these people's time. Like they're taking time out of their day to help me. So I should go as fast as I can. And yeah. it, it really added to my nerves. And over time I learned to slow down and these people are, they're working, they're volunteering just like me. We're here to have a good time and get some good photos. And once I started to understand that, the, the sweating kind of subsided. So when you did that first shoot, did you try and do a setup at home? Did you rehearse the shoot so that you, you weren't as under the pump when you got to the shelter? Oh yeah, definitely. I have a second bedroom in my house that is, it acts as my, my little studio and I have four dogs, so they, they got plenty of practice in with me. So you had a go-to setup? Yes, I do. All right, so let's let's go back to this first basic shoot again. And because uh, the point of this is that I think that anyone um, who is starting out can do this and it's a fantastic way to not only help these animals and the shelters but to also uh, improve as a photographer because how many how many uh, dogs do you think you've photographed to date in the last three years um probably 400 so not a lot but it it's a lot of editing yeah but and there's probably no greater high than how you feel when you someone the shelter rings you and says oh this dog that's been 800 days is now being adopted. Would there be anything a better feeling? You, that's honestly the best feeling. Like yeah. after you told me that the first time, I I was hooked on this. And yeah. now, when every time I finish editing a photo and I send it to them, they post it on their Facebook. And I, I love reading the comments about how great the photo is. And I'm coming in tomorrow to take a look at him. And it, it's it's truly, I love it. That's fantastic. All right, so back to this uh, first session. So you'd set up uh, the, 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 the go-to lighting, which you're talking about. You've got two speed lights, and obviously uh, are you triggering from the camera or have you got um, triggers as well? Um, yeah, I believe that the newer had a, um, a little cheap trigger that yep. came with the two speed lights. Okay, so that saves having any cords and things like that. And do you uh, are you weighing down the, the, the light setup? So just walk us through uh, um, setting up the lights for that first shoot. Um, basically, I have two light stands. I have a backdrop thumbtack to the wall. It's just a simple gray backdrop so I can change the color in Photoshop later. And I have two light stands on either side of that backdrop with a 24-inch softbox on each side. Yep. And um, I, think it, I think the speed lights were the newer TT685. They were one of them I actually dropped in the pool and it survived and it still works to this Kidding. day. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. So, I mean, you don't have to spend a ton of money on a speed light. Like, this one's still working and I dropped it in a pool two years ago. So, the, the backdrop is like a mid gray backdrop that you can easily just um, change that color. And does that extend to the ground or what have you got the dogs actually sitting on? It extends to the ground to make mm -hmm. it seamless. And how do you go after the seventh dog is um, set for you on that backdrop? Does it start to get a bit scuffed? Yeah, especially when you're dealing with pork chops and hot dogs, you get grease everywhere. And some, some dogs like to move around a lot, so the, the thumbtacks would tear the paper. And yep. when I got a, back, a backdrop stand, everything changed. But, um, yeah, it, it, was quite a, it gets quite messy when you're photographing a bunch of dogs. All right, so that, that first shoot, you've got the, 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 the thumbtack backdrop and it's, 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 it's working fine. It's not perfect, but uh, you, and so you're doing the, you've got the pork chops and hot dogs. They're obviously bribes to get the dogs to um, sit and 
look cute, I guess. How much work is going into each shot? How much are you working those dogs to get that reaction? Well, just like having two speed lights on each side, I have one person on each side that kind of keeps the dog in the middle. And there's so much stuff going on. These dogs, they spend most of their day in a, a kennel. So when you bring them out, they're full of energy. So sometimes mm -hmm. it takes five minutes to get them calmed down and sitting for you. But I mean, I shoot at my max shutter speed on my camera, which is one two fiftieth of a second. Mm -hmm. So I don't worry about motion blur or anything like that. Yep. But, um, so you've got two people either side, just me, and, and obviously some of these dogs are also traumatized. So how do you get around that? Um, when I was first learning photography, everyone said, don't use flash photography because it will scare the dogs. Mm. And, but I have come across maybe two dogs that have been scared of flash. And, um, uh, I just got the new Godox 8300, which has a really strong modeling light in it. So now whenever I come across a scared dog, I can just turn the modeling light on and shoot at a lower shutter speed and a higher ISO, and we're usually good to go. But yeah. as for the scared dogs, I, I have some pheromones that we can spray on the backdrop and kind of calm them down a little bit. But I, I think the most part, the, the biggest part of shooting with dogs, especially rescues, is being patient and being calm. Because they they're calm if you're calm. So they 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 really do. The dogs will uh, feed off energy. So if, if you're afraid of dogs, it's probably not a great idea to be a dog photographer. But if you've got that calm energy, that that's what they feed off. Tell me about these pheromones. What's that? Um, I came across them at Petco. It, it comes in a little spray bottle. And um, for Thanksgiving last year, we drove across, across country with four of my dogs, and we were trying to think of a way to keep them calm. And we came across these pheromones, and you just spray it down, and you wait 10 minutes, and apparently the pheromone actually makes them a little sleepy. So it, right. it's better drugging a dog or something like that. But it truly works. Okay, so that's that's a that's a good tip for those dogs that may be a bit uh, traumatized or they've been abused or something like that, and they're not that trusting. So, how long are you setting aside to do these shoots, and how many dogs are you trying to photograph in that space of time? Um, each shoot usually lasts about five to eight hours, and wow. we usually, yeah, we usually get about thirty to fifty dogs in. That's fantastic. So just in terms of the setup, so obviously when you're speaking to the shelter, you want to have a good idea of the area that you need. And did you know ahead of time because you were practicing in your spare room the sort of uh, area that you needed that was ideal? Because I know that even on commercial shoots that I've had, I've got to be so specific with the client because they think, Every client that's shot on an iPhone thinks that the space is a lot less than what you really need. So are you setting out like asking for a larger area so that you can get back and shoot with a longer lens? How does that look? Um, actually, with dogs, you kind of shoot. I, I shoot at about 24. For my headshots, I shoot at 105. Mm. I have a 24 to 105 lens, so it works good for both people headshots and puppy headshots. So. Mm. But the space that I need to work in is probably nine foot by nine foot. And right. every, every rescue has that. So it's just getting there and looking around. Right. Yeah. So you, you like to shoot wide and close and that gives a, a really cool sort of look to your images. Yeah, um, it, you, 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 you sort of, how, how far away are you from the dog when you're photographing them? Um, I'm arm's length away from the dog just so I can right. have a treat in my hand and my camera in the other. And obviously, uh, camera is away from your face so that they can see your eyes. How important is that? Definitely. Yeah. I, I never use my viewfinder. Yeah. Because, and this was, uh, several other pet photographers that I've interviewed had explained, this never made sense to me. Um, and they're like, no, the dog needs to see your face. And once you cover it with the camera... They've got nothing to react to. Yeah, they're actually scared looking at this camera pointed at them. But as soon as they see your eyes, things change. That makes perfect sense. And so, and and, and you need every trick uh, that you can muster at this point because you're dealing with a, a dog that 
doesn't know you. You don't have that long to develop a, a, a good rapport with them. And they're also, they possibly might be a bit traumatized and they're in a, a, a new environment being taken out of the cage. So just walk us through what, what you might do when that dog comes out and uh, what you do to get that shot. Um, well, one of the volunteers at the rescue, they'll, they'll bring out a dog and they'll tell me if, it, if it's had surgery or if, it, if it's a bite risk or anything like that. And um, they, we sit the dog down and um, we have the pheromones that we sprayed down and we kind of have treats sitting all around and we let them smell around for a few minutes and get comfortable. Like I don't start shooting for the first two minutes just so they can kind of feel the area, see who's around and um, get to know us. And um, once we feel like they've calmed down, we then start snapping some pictures and it, we snap quite a few just because some dogs, they, they like to move around a lot, especially the puppies. The puppies are a handful. Yeah. Um, They're full of beans. Yeah, for sure. And but, so, and so, um, once you've got them, uh, in, in position, how, how many frames do you think you're taking to get, to get the, the, the ideal shot? It takes about 20 shots to get a, a good photo because um, they, they move around so much. They're, they're so full of energy, especially because they've been locked up in their kennel all day. How quickly are they getting a pork chop or a hot dog? Oh, there's already one on the ground when they come out. Okay. They, they know they're being treated as soon as they're sat down. Right, so they're going, oh, okay, this guy's good. Uh, and then do they get one as a reward or how, how does it work? When do they get their next treat? Um, I basically have my camera in my right hand and a treat in my left hand. And I use that treat to move their head whichever way that I want it to go. Like if, if I want to see their eyes, I, I just move my, my left hand to the right a little bit to move their head. And I have a squeaker in my pocket and... I can hit that squeaker with my elbow on, on my right hand where I'm holding my camera. So I hit that squeaker and sometimes that pops the ears up. And some of the volunteers, they'll, they'll be helping and laughing. Like they'll, they'll knock on doors and stuff like that and try and get their ears to pop up because dogs look really good when their ears are up. Yeah, they look happy when their ears are up. They're usually they're distressed when their ears are down. And the other thing that I love that you do is you've got their eyes up, but also the positioning of the uh, soft boxes gives these beautiful big catch lights in the eye. So it really lights up and uh, the, all your images are so animated and there's so much personality in these dogs. I want to adopt them all just by like, like what I'm looking at your um, Instagram and your, your website now, and they're just uh, absolutely adorable. <laughs> all right. So once you, um, how are you, are you shooting to cart or are you shooting tethered? Um, I'm shooting to card. Whenever I do um, corporate headshots, I'm shooting tethered so the people can see. But dogs don't really care what they look like on camera. So I, I shoot straight to card. Straight to card. And you're pretty confident that um, you, you're getting the shot. You just, do you feel it by this point? Yeah, I shoot mirrorless. So I can definitely tell on the screen on my camera if I got the shot or not. Fantastic. And so with the um, post-production, what, what sort of things are you doing to the images? So you're changing the color of the background. Is that a regular thing that you do or are you happy with the – because gray is such a – what I love about a gray background, not the mottled ones, but just a clean gray background is it looks expensive. It always looks expensive. And, we, you know, I associate gray backgrounds with high-end magazines uh, was that a thought behind the gray background? Yeah, I wanted to go with a neutral background so that way if I did want to change, because in the beginning you don't have money. You can't buy all these different colored backgrounds. So yep. I went with a neutral color so I could have the option to change it if I wanted to. And I don't do it for all of the photos, but some photos, like especially orange looking dogs, they look good with a blue backdrop. It just, the color contrast is, it's amazing with an orange dog. Hmm. That makes sense. So you've got the opportunity to change the background to whatever suits the dog, which is a great idea. Now, so have, now you've um, upgraded. Have you got? Are you still shooting on roll paper? Yes, I am. And so, at the end of a shoot, that that little piece that the dog's sitting on, that's pretty much trashed. Is that right? So you just yeah, cut time, that off. 
yeah, by the time we get to the 30th dog, there's so many hot dog stains on that paper. I, it, there's so much cloning that I have to do in post-production. It's crazy. So have you ever thought of using a perspex, uh, a sheet of perspex to put down on the roll paper and then you can just wipe that down so you just have like clear perspex so you get a little reflection of the dog there and then it protects your roll paper, it stops the paper from getting scratched and you're not going through quite as much because it, it, roll paper is not cheap. Yeah, no, it's not. But um, I have a gray blanket. That it, it's a little bitty blanket that the dogs can sit on. That that saves the paper somewhat. But um, the, the hot dogs and pork chops get thrown everywhere. And rescue dogs, they can get excited. So you might get a little piddle on the paper or yeah. um, like a little slobber here and there, especially when you're dealing with treats. Yeah. Because that's what I was. That's what I do when I've got like tons of shots, and I was going through so much white roll paper that I started putting perspex down. On like I just had a, a strip of perspex uh, that was as wide as the roll paper that I just kept in the back of the car, and I put that down. And then um, all I needed to do was get some um, even water and microfiber, and I could wipe down the perspex, and it got rid of all the marks and and I had an assistant coming in in between shots and just clean it up that saved a lot of um retouching time I'll have to give that a try I think you should because I think it, it, it like anything you can do to to obviously keep costs down when you're doing these uh volunteer shoots I think would be uh very handy so um is there anything else that you upgraded in your gear as you're going so I know you've got the three the Godox 300 and you actually won that in a contest which is fantastic yeah, it was one of the first contests I actually applied to. I just uploaded one of my photos of a rescue dog wearing a face mask because we're in the middle of a pandemic right now, and it won. I, I was totally stunned, and this Godox 8300 is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's got a lot of grunt, so it's probably uh, – I've got the 200, and it's maybe one stop over what you would get with a speed light. So I think the, the 300, you could definitely overpower the sun with it. Yeah, I've had a go with some high-speed sync outside with the dogs um, since I got it. Fantastic. And and so aside from um, shooting the shelter dogs on a backdrop, are you doing anything on location with them or is that your other, other projects that you do? Um, yeah, I actually, one of the tips that I learned early on was that it, on Google Maps, if you get the app on your phone, you can actually save locations at, and into a folder. So since I own a pool company, I'm driving. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm driving around all over the valley. And if I see like a, a waterfall in front of a neighborhood, I save that location. And on the weekend, if I don't have a shoot scheduled, I'll just take my dogs and we'll go and shoot in front of that waterfall. Like I have hundreds of locations I've saved to my, to Google maps over the years. That's a good tip. How does that work? I mean, I, I'm just, um, using, um, the like when you take a photo with your phone it, it like google will tell you where that actual photo was taken but how does it work with the maps are you dropping a pin how does that work yeah exactly i open up google maps yeah. and right when i'm there i just drop a pin and then i hit save and it allows me to save it to my photography scouting folder because i have other folders that i've saved great and can you add notes to that pin Exactly. Yes. Um, like I can add a pen and then I, on the note side of it, I can say pink and gray gra graffiti or um, bright blue waterfall. Like it, it helps me refer back to it later. Fantastic. That's 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 an amazing tip. And you must see so many fantastic locations with the job that you do. Yeah, I'm all over the valley here. Fantastic. And so uh as well as the animal photography, you're also doing, uh, you're shooting corporate headshots as well and you're doing like general pet photography too, is that right? And corporate stuff. Yeah, because there isn't a lot of money in um, rescue photography because I mainly volunteer, but yeah. I, I do photograph people's pets and I make money that way, but the money that I do make with photography is from doing headshots. Yeah, fantastic. And so hopefully you'll grow that side of the business but and, uh, and, and then be able to continue doing the um, animal rescue photography, which is uh, just just amazing. Um, so good. That's fantastic. Um, 
That's amazing. It's been so great chatting with you today, Jason, and uh, I love everything that you do. You've got um, a fantastic uh, Instagram page and a beautiful website. Do you want to just tell people where they can find you? You're the real McCoy uh, photography. That's right. That's your Instagram. It's it's Jason McCoy. That's your Instagram. And your website yeah. is the real McCoy photography. Is that right? Or yeah, Jason my website. McCoy? My website is therealmccoy.photography and my Instagram is at itsjasonmccoy. Um, but I just wanted to reiterate that um, fostering is a really big part of dealing with rescues. And even if you can't afford to go out and adopt a dog, there, fostering is a great opportunity to get a dog out of a shelter. And it, it really is the backbone of these rescues that I work for. Fantastic. And what, what, what does fostering involve? How long are you looking after those pets? Is that just until they find a suitable owner? Sometimes it's just until they find a suitable owner. Other times it's because the dog just went through a spay, neuter surgery and needs a, a nice soft bed to decompress in a, a no-stress environment. Um, it, it also it can be really fun for kids to get a, a dog for a couple of weeks and it, it's really good to get the dogs out of the shelter and most of these rescues they will actually provide you with dog food and dog beds and everything that you need to be a temporary dog parent fantastic and so you just need to provide the love basically exactly that's all you have to do it, it really does help these rescues out and so if you're the kind of person that maybe is traveling several times a year, you've always wanted a dog, but you can't commit to one full time, this is a great way to be able to help those animals. And uh, I, I, it'd be hard to give them back, though. <laughs> yeah, would that, get that was my problem. I, I tried fostering and I, I had him for a couple of weeks and then I called them and told them that I'm keeping them. And <laughs> I'm now a registered um, foster failure. So you've got four, <laughs> you've got four, have you? Yes, I do. Four and what? My, what? Fantastic! That's great. And and th were they? Did they all start as fosters and then went on to like? No, I'm keeping them all. <laughs> um, only one of them started off as a foster right. and kept him. Fantastic! And so, what's next for you? What what what's the, the what's the plan with the photography? Um, right now, I'm working on a, a small personal project. I'm actually photographing old. Older people, like our, our um, senior citizens and their pets, because one of my really close friends, she just recently passed away, but her dog really changed her life once she adopted from a rescue. And I, I want to do my best to capture that on camera. So that's what I've been focusing on lately. Fantastic. And you're an um, active member of the So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community. You pop up there regularly and uh, we love seeing your posts. So um, people who listen, to, hopefully they'll say hi to you and uh, give you a shout out and give you a follow on Instagram and go check out your website. So I'm looking forward to watching you grow and uh, become a superstar in the pet photography business as well, Jason. Thank you so much for chatting with us today and I wish you nothing but continued success. Alright, there you go, Jason McCoy doing some fantastic Thank you so much, photography Gina. with animal mm -hmm. shelters and the shots are great and the principles are things that you can apply whether or not you're shooting in a, a pet from an mm. animal shelter, you mm. can apply them to just regular pet photography as well. Yes. And it's so fantastic that he fosters those dogs and yes. it's something that everyone should consider if you're able to. I know that the dog that I adopted um, some years ago, Rambo basically became the love of my life. He, and yes. Brought me so much joy. Gina's photographed him. He's appeared yeah. in, you know, a range of different things. He's a and rock star. Yeah, he's, he's, he's gorgeous, gorgeous, light of my life. And so they bring you so much joy. Yeah. Anyway, so Gina, what are you doing in the coming week? We've got episode 300 coming up. Oh, I oh know. This is a big deal. What are we going to do to celebrate this, Val? We've got well, 300 think... episodes. Well, but there has we to be champagne. There has to be champagne. So mm. there will be champagne. We'll be doing mm. one of those episodes, everyone. And mm. um, I think that we need to share it with our listeners because we would yep. not get to episode 300 without all of you guys. So we would love to answer your questions or talk about topics that you would like us to touch on. We'll put a post in the Facebook group. If you're not already a member, then do join. It's free to join. Just search for... So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community 
on Facebook and we'd love to have you in there. We'll put up a post there and just comment in that thread if you would like um, a particular question answered. Consider it and ask me anything. Ask 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 us us anything. anything. We will answer. We may or may not be under the influence of alcohol, Mm. and I think most of you have enjoyed those (laughs) episodes. But, yeah, ask us anything. We'll answer it. And I would suggest (laughs) that you, uh, when you listen to episode 300, you join the party and have your own favourite tipple. And if if you don't drink, that's fine. Just have your own favourite tea or whatever to join us in the celebration as well because i think it'll be good fun yeah fantastic can't wait val oh my god yes (laughs) let's get the get the champagne chilled 300 (laughs) that's very cool so in the meantime where do we find you online gina you can find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on all social media. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, then do check out the Goal Community. It's at ginamilitia.com and click on Join the Community. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.